0: Welcome to NodeWorthy, the official podcast of TechNode.com. I am John Artman, editor in chief. This week we are looking forward and looking backwards. We're going to be starting off talking a little bit about the top three fails of technology in China, and then we're also going to be looking at some of the most expected IPOs um, to come from technology in China. Um, but first, we're talking with Masha about the top three fails. So, so Masha, what what uh, inspired you to write this story?
1: Well, it's the end of the year, and of course, uh, everybody is looking back and seeing what they did good, what they did bad. And I'm guessing for some companies, it's been a great year. For Tencent, certainly, it, it reached a $500 billion valuation mark for for a brief time. It was great for Totiao, it was great for Alibaba and uh, Didi. But then there was those who didn't have such a great year. So uh, we all heard about uh, Le Echo. Uh, he had, uh, the company has had a terrible year. Uh, then there was uh, a number of uh, bike sharing firms from which I chose BlueGoGo because uh, at some point they were the third largest uh, uh, bike rental company in China. And the last one, I chose Bitcoin exchanges, although, to be honest, they might not have it that bad.
0: Yeah, they might. They might. They might not. Um, but I think that, you know, looking at Laiko to start off, um, they were probably the biggest fail uh, of the entire year. Um, you know, starting in October with the, the open letter from uh, YT, YT Jia, Jia Yue Ting, Um, you know, I mean, I think it was really brave of him to come out and, and say that to... Um, um, to show very very clearly, um, you know that that the company is having problems, but they just never recovered from that.
1: Yeah, it's true. Uh, in this last letter, uh, Whiteja he blamed actually all of his financial woes on a bank uh, that sued uh, Lieko for for being late on a payment. But I think it's a it's kind of a simplified uh, way of viewing. They, they have been in trouble for a while. There were even reports that the, even before their financial troubles, they were shuffling funds between subsidiaries to to cover losses and to present themselves in a good light. And then uh, we also had a great uh, article about how they failed to globalize themselves. What what mistakes they may, made uh, during their um, during their expansion.
0: Yeah. And that's, and that's the real thing. I mean, I think that, you know, we were, we were lucky enough to have, um, Elliot Zagman, who, um, is actually, a, a, an old friend of mine. He and I have been, uh, living in Beijing for about the same, uh, amount of time we used to, uh, to work together when we were teaching English. Um, and I think that we were pretty lucky because, you know, he had been working at La Eco, um, as a globalization human resources trainer so helping helping executives, um, to better understand how to communicate a- across cultures um but then also providing you know some some kind of um some business training as well and so you know he was able to see firsthand the the promise of Laico and i think and and as and as well as you know their their failure to really live up to that potential you know i think Elliot's the kind of guy he's not going to get into something unless he believes it um and you know i think that that from from what he has told me uh, Um, There was a lot of potential and that YT had this really great vision and that, you know, um, that that, that the way that he spoke about things, it was very inspiring and, and very compelling. Um, but then, when it came down to to execution, when it came down to uh, creating a, a successful culture, they just just not were not really able to um, live up to to even what even what they wanted. You know, they wanted to have a transparent culture. Uh, they wanted to have um, I think I think the Chinese term is is huafen. Um, so they, they wanted to you know um, increase the amount of synergy and interaction between business partners, to be, between um, business units and departments and things. But then you know as things began to to apart, Part it it turned into uh, political infighting.
1: Yeah, that's true. It turned into one of those situations where where the office just doesn't doesn't communicate between each other, and you have a whole mess.
0: Exactly, exactly. And now and now we have now we have him. He's he's in the States. He's been ordered by the uh, the Chinese government to uh, return to uh, China um, in order to repay his debts and uh, deal with other legal and financial matters. But basically, he has seemingly um, ignored that completely.
1: Yeah, he he has sent his wife and his brother to take care of his uh, debts. He has been blacklisted in China. Uh, uh, He has also transferred his shares in Faraday Future to his nephew uh, in hopes that the company won't be involved with the legal action. So yeah, the 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 story is still unraveling. I still I think it's kind of the soap opera will unfortunately continue into two thousand eighteen.
0: Yeah, and that's the th- I mean so so basically, in, in what the, what they had to do was um, split off um, part of the company. So the, the 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 only profitable part of the company right now is the the video arm. So they split that off, um, and uh, YT YT is no longer CEO. Instead, he is um, in the states focusing on on Faraday Future which seems to be going okay. Um, it's it's really kind of hard to tell um, how that is going. I mean, there have been lots of reports about um, financial problems, um, senior management leaving, um, but then just this week at CES they had a um, like a private test drive event for um, some some Chinese media and some uh, some US media. Um, so the fact that they're able to do that does mean that that they're they're able to make they've been able to make some progress. They're they're not completely out. Um, of course, it's a huge difference from um, the reveal of Faraday Future um, at CES in in previous years, which was. Uh, opening to, to huge fanfare um, and there was this uh, this big this big reveal um, this time it's it's private uh, more low-key but again it does show that they're not out of the fight just yet
1: so for the next uh, uh, for the second big fail I chose blue gogo although to be honest I really like that company um, and uh, it's it kind of seems like a series of bad events for them as I said there were once uh, uh, number three and then they started their experience Expansion in the U.S. and suddenly San Francisco just uh, issued new rules for uh, for bike rentals uh, in the city, and they had to leave. So unfortunately, this uh, this affected their business a lot. And uh, later on, they couldn't. They were waiting for. Uh, uh, um, sorry. Later on, they were waiting for a financing round, which never came true. And uh, in the end, uh, in uh, around September or October, they finally, uh, they finally uh, said that uh, they cannot pay out their workers or, or pay out uh, user deposits. But it's been kind of a scenario that has been happening for a lot of bike rental firms so we also had cool chi that went in the same way and um some other so, some other smaller companies like 3v uh, bike wukong bike uh xiaoming etc
0: yeah i mean looking looking at bike sharing it, it was pretty clear that um it was following a similar trajectory to what uh, a lot of other verticals and industries have have been victim to is you see a few success cases you see that money money is going into um a few a few players and those players usually end up being the winners at the end of the day anyway um but then fomo sets in um investors start to pile in um they and because of the valuations of um the bigger players then, you know, the smaller players end up getting a lot of money as well um, to fuel their own expansion. Um, the cycle continues until it starts to cool off, until it's, it's quite clear that the business model doesn't make any sense, until uh, investors are no longer willing to uh, finance uh, what doesn't seem to be a, a successful business. Um, and in the case of, of Blue Gogo, I actually am very surprised to see that um, that, that it did end up in failure. Um, as you said, Masha, you know, they were not. Number three, um, they were also backed by some pretty big uh, VCs with very good track records. Um, so it was it was surprising to see that that they have not done so well. But then at the same time, we look at the bike rental industry in general. And it seems like neither. There's really no company <laughs> at this point that's really doing all that great. Um, you know, there was this great piece in Caixin a couple of weeks ago. Um, it was all from one source. So, of course, take it with a grain of salt. Um, but this source was basically telling Caixin that that both Ofo and Mobike um, have been using user deposits to uh, to finance their operations. Which they're not supposed to do uh, by government order. Uh, deposits are not supposed to be used to finance operation costs. Um, and then, and then you look at you know uh, Ofo. They um, apparently, again, according to this very same source, they burned through um, almost all of their money at this point. They they have um, only tens of millions of renminbi left, um, whereas uh, Mobike has hundreds of millions. Um, and then, and then you look just just recently, uh, you know, one a major investor. Um, in Ofo um, has has basically decided to sell a bunch of his
1: shares. Yeah, it's an interesting situation, and also uh, Ofo, both Ofo and Mobike have been under a lot of pressure to merge. So uh, it's kind of seen as a as a way out for investors and uh, uh, a good solution for these companies to finally uh, start making some money. Actually, there were two two bike sharing firms that made it through this. Uh, this big uh, bike rental boom uh, uh, that actually merged and they succeeded to to remain on the market. Those were Yoan and Hello Bike. So Hello Bike just uh, announced that it's gotten uh, another financing round and they're still on the market. So that means uh, the merger actually worked.
0: Yeah, exactly. Well, I mean, Yo- Yoan is an, is an interesting story because they are actually a um, part of a... Uh, state-owned enterprise uh, based in in Changzhou, um, and they were already doing um, bike bike sharing. So Changzhou was already doing bike sharing uh, before this this vertical really took off. Um, and Yo Yoan was um, was was their 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 bike sharing unit. Um, and they ended up they ended up doing an IPO, a fairly small IPO uh, in the mainland. Um, and so and then they ended up, as you said, buying um, Hello Bike or, or merging with them. And so I think that that really number one. I mean Yo on, they, they weren't trying to be the biggest one. Um, they they were just trying to um, survive and, and build a sustainable business, uh, in, in particular in Changzhou and, and in that area. So I think that um, that's it's it's just really the, the the big the big difference there is that they they were able to to build that sustainable business whereas Ofo Mobile Bluegogo and all these other players they were doing kind of the typical thing just grow as quickly as possible and figure out profitability um, later but it's interesting now because you even have so so with Bluegogo uh, DD uh, made a fairly large investment in Bluegogo and is purchasing their bike rental units so DD is going to have is going to operate Blue Gogo um and then they and then they're saying that they're going to have their own bike rental operation so they're going to have Blue Gogo their own DD branded bike rental operations and as as we learned just uh, just a few days ago they're also going into to electric bikes and so i think that if DD is going into this space that does mean that bike rentals are viable that that it is and it is going to be a fairly important part of DD's business i mean DD is a is a stable company they've They've uh, they've grown very very quickly, uh, and now it's just a question of of finding uh, those new opportunities and and, and building moats, making sure that they're not going to be um, disrupted. But you know they are perfectly placed um, to to offer kind of this this end to end, if you will, mobility solution. So if you want to go you know a couple of kilometers, you can uh, rent one of their bikes. If you want to go you know five to eight kilometers, you can rent one of their electric bikes. If you want to go further than that, you can rent a car um, of some of some type, and then. Of course, they do have other um, mobility solutions, including, you know, the um, the uh, shuttle buses for 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 companies and, and and things like that. And so I think that if Didi is getting into it, it definitely shows that that bike rentals in general are here to stay.
1: That's right. So the last uh, my last tech fail was actually Bitcoin exchanges So we all remember that in September, uh, initial coin offerings were banned. Uh, Actually, the story behind ICOs in China is quite interesting. There were so many of them, and they had such weird propositions that, um, I mean, it was clear that regulation would have to settle that. After that, uh, Bitcoin exchanges, uh, the three biggest one, OKCoin, Huobi, BTCC, uh, they were forced to close shop. And then um, to counter that, many small Chinese traders were, uh, were exchanging uh, Bitcoin peer-to-peer and on private over-the-counter market. But as we learned uh, recently, uh, those small-scale markets are beginning to close down. So it appears that uh, and the government is not going to tolerate uh, Bitcoin exchange in any sort of form. Um, so the last move, from uh, uh, People's Bank of China was to kind of uh, signal to to Bitcoin miners that the practice is not going to be supported anymore. So uh, we'll still have to see if uh, if the miners are going to have to close shop or what will happen next?
0: Yeah, it does seem that um, what's what has happened with uh, with Bitcoin mining is that uh, the central government has said to um, the provinces that they are in charge of regulating, uh, energy usage, um, and so it does seem that that there is this po- there is a possibility that mining might have to exit China, uh, depending on electricity prices and depending on whether the government decides to to raise these electricity prices um, here here in China. So so far, I mean, so the 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 Bitcoin and cryptocurrency exchanges have been sh- uh, shut down. Um, uh, most of them have actually moved to South Korea um, or Japan, um, so still fairly close to China. Um, The miners are still active. And just recently, a court in Beijing has ruled that people are free to trade Bitcoin, uh, Bitcoin to to RMB specifically, or or vice versa. Um, Also, I have it on good authority that it is still very possible to buy Bitcoin and other cryptocurrencies um, with renminbi here in China. So... It, it, it's 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 I think that right now, at least Bitcoin and crypto speculation has been kind of pushed underground. But the the actual future of these cryptocurrencies in China is still very much up in the air.
1: Well, it's not like China, China. Well, it's not like the Chinese government has uh, everything against uh, cryptocurrency. They actually have their own projects. Uh, by the central bank and uh, uh, they've been developing blockchain to to uh, kind of integrate it into government plans so it's it's not that it doesn't seem that they're totally against it and then again these exchanges they, they also made some pretty good moves uh, uh, Japan is a lot more open to bi- Bitcoin exchanges and one of the uh, one of the Bitcoin exchanges BTCC uh, they they have uh, they they have, sorry, no, one of the Bitcoin exchanges, Huobi, they, they are even expanding their cryptocurrency ex- exchange uh, with the help of Japanese financial institution, SBI. Uh, other ones, as you said, they moved either to Korea, to Japan or to some offshore locations like cayman islands and things like that
0: yeah exactly and also you know i i don't think that that um ultimately the chinese government is not against blockchain as a technology uh as you say you know the 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 pboc is very very bullish um and they are really pushing uh, for this technology to be implemented, in particular, when it comes to um, some type of digital fiat RMB, um, so they are very interested in implementing this type of technology. What they do not want is uh, out of control speculation that leads to, um, you know, economic instability and volatility, right? And so, so as as people begin to either uh, make a lot of money, lose a lot of money. Um, that all of this volatility is going to have impact on on the broader economy. And that's really what they do not want. They do not want some type of instability. And so, you know, you look at all the volatility that happens, um, I think just yesterday, you know, um, Bitcoin dropped by 50%. And so, you know, Bitcoin is, is by its very nature, since the beginning, has been extremely volatile. And so if you have more people getting into this, it could have some serious impacts. And, and you also have to remember the timing. Um, the Bitcoin exchanges, the ban on ICOs came just before the 19th uh, Party Congress, the biggest political event um, in China every five years. Um, And and in this year, especially, you know, with uh, Xi Jinping uh, being raised to, you know, uh, founding father status of China, um, it was super important for the government to make sure that nothing um, went wrong. And and in this case, that was that meant um, banning ICOs and shutting down the exchanges. All right. Well, Masha, thank you so much for Uh, for telling us a little bit about the top fails of technology here in China 2017 thank you John Yeah. And so, Emma, you wrote a piece about uh, some of the most uh, anticipated IPOs um, for for 2018. Um, so I think, you know, 2017 was was really kind of interesting because in the first half of the year, we didn't see that many IPOs. And then towards the end of the year, we started seeing more uh, fintech and in particular mm-hmm. micro lending. Um, IPOs so so what what so do you think that we're gonna see that kind of similar trend going into 2018
2: yeah sure but in the coming year technology firms are among the definitely among the top source for IPOs around globe in the in the Hong Kong market finance the finance center the share of financial IPOs was down by nearly half from 69 percent in 2016 to 36 percent year. Uh, Technology firms took the second largest share with hefty IPOs like the one from China Literature Yixin and Razor. Also this share uh, doesn't include the 11 billion Hong Kong dollar IPO of Zhong'an online insurance because it's calculated in the insurance category, which effected, effectively put it as the third largest IPO category last year. Um, also, a similar trend is seen in the US. Tech IPO shares raised 24%, replacing finance as the uh, second largest source. The value of tech IPOs increased threefold. Uh, in the past year. Uh, uh, I, Airbnb, Dropbox, Lift, and Pinterest are some of the most at, uh, most anticipated firms from the local market. Uh, China, Chinese investors' enthusiasm is reflected in the nine uh, tech and internet IPOs on the main, main board. The average public uh, oversubscription rate was more than 300 times. But the experts pointed out that uh, tech stocks tend to be more volatile in nature, and uh, compared with stocks of real estate back business, Zhongan Online uh, Insurance, China Literature, Easing Group, Razor in Hong Kong market, Xidian and SoGo in U.S. market, all recorded downward trajectory after surging to peaks in their first trading sessions after their debit. Yeah,
0: interesting, interesting. So, so looking, looking at, I mean, Zhongan I, th- I think is an interesting, um, an interesting beast because as you say it's technically in the insurance category, but mm-hmm. it's it's backed by technology companies, and, it, and it's an online um, insurance insurance product. Um, but looking looking at twenty eighteen, I mean, like, where where do you, what do you, what are the top uh, most expected IPOs and and how likely do you think we're going to see them uh, actually happen?
2: Yeah, the most uh, uh, anticipated IPOs from Chinese tech companies, as I mentioned, is uh, uh, Ant Financial and Xiaomi. Yeah, uh, actually, the Xiaomi. There's the latest latest updating uh, from Xiaomi's IPOs. Um, some of Xiaomi. Xiaomi's IPO is rumored to bring its valuation to $2, 200 billion U.S. dollars. It's doubling the estimations made by bankers in late last year. Uh, a source close to Xiaomi's senior executive are claiming that Xiaomi has decided to set its IPO for the second half of this year. So
0: they're definitely going to do it then. Yeah. Well, that's 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 exciting news. I remember when uh, when Xiaomi first were uh, first launched, I was super super bullish on them. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, they've 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 had their ups and downs, um, but it does seem that they're that they've been able to uh, get get back on track this past year. Right. Um, so yeah, and also one of the one of the big ones um, I think is also um, Ant Financial, and, and of course you know the the Ant Financial IPO. The, one of the big questions is where is it going to be. And now just recently we heard that um, Alibaba is in talks with um, Hong Kong to list there as well. So they're going to have a, a listing um, in the U.S. Uh, that they already have, that they, they, they went IPO in 2014 in, in Hong Kong. So, so how likely do you think that Ant Financial is going to list in Hong Kong?
2: Yeah, uh, Ant Financial's IPO has been rumored for years, but... Uh, uh, it's definitely most anticipated one, uh, with the high market valuation. This is expected to reach, uh, 75 billion US dollars, but, uh, uh, since uh, the company's uh, CEO Jack Ma has that uh, uh, publicly in last year, uh, the company's uh, the IPO schedule is not uh, clear. Uh, last in late last year, Jack Ma has put a halt uh, to the years rumors about the imminent IPO for uh, Ali Abbas payment arm, but uh, he says this won't be happen in. One or two years, but since it's rumored for a long time, we won't we won't be surprised if they do. Yeah,
0: and we won't be surprised if they don't. <laughs> they don't either. Um, but certainly, you know, you look at recent statements from um, from Jack Ma. Um, you know, as I said, um, they are considering Hong Kong now, and so the fact that 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 he's making comments about them considering Hong Kong um, at the very least means that they're thinking about it. And, and 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 of course, I mean, you know, of course they've been thinking about it. But the fact that they're making Public um, public statements about it does does kind of show that they're getting closer to making a decision about setting setting a date and actually um, about about um, putting and financial or or other subsidiaries uh, on on the market. Um, yeah, but,
2: also also the the Hong Kong market is uh, industry analyst has predicted predicted a rebound of Hong Kong market for the coming years because uh, two thousand and the uh, 17 is a disappointing year for Hong Kong as a fundraising hub. Uh, they recorded lowest level since 2012. But uh, but the surge in the coming year for Hong Kong market is expected to as high as 48%. It's mainly triggered by two factors. The Hong Kong Exchange IPO rule uh, changes. It allows dual-class share and uh, China lifting the ban on share sales of owners of state-owned enterprises. So uh, this may uh, attract a large group of Chinese tech companies. To choose Hong Kong over other markets,
0: and I think for for um, Alibaba in particular, it was that uh, Hong Kong does not allow uh, or did not allow dual class shares. Um, you know, basically, which um, a- allows certain founders and um, other other people to um, effectively have more control uh, over the company um, than than a regular stockholder. Um, so so that now that they are going to be having dual class shares, uh, it does seem that. They are um, becoming a bit more viable place for 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 people um, to list. Um, but one of the other the other big uh, stories of 2017 in terms of IPOs was uh, Tencent literature, or excuse me, China literature. Um, mm-hmm. And so this year, uh, people are expecting similar results from uh, from Tencent Music.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, actually, Tencent is launching an initiative to. A list of its affiliated companies. Yeah, sources with knowledge of the matter disclosed that IPO would range between. Uh, 300 to 600 millions. Uh, the IPO size for the new firm is expected to be much bigger than that, somewhere around one billion uh, at a 10 billion valuation, as Bloomberg has predicted.
0: Yeah, which is which is absolutely huge. Um, you know, they're also planning on uh, an IPO for their mobile healthcare arm called uh, called WeDoctor. Um, so you know, it's it's I mean, 10 cent. I mean, wow. They they not only have they been successful. in in 2017. It's pretty clear that they've they've set themselves up to be pretty successful in in 2018 um, as well. Um, but then, what are some what are some of the other ones? I remember. Um, I think that uh, ITE and uh, Lufax are are also rumored to be doing IPOs this year.
2: Uh, Baidu has envisioned IPO for its YouTube-style video streaming service for a long time. Uh, I, actually, the C the company CEO has a that previously to to Bloomberg that the company planned to IPO within next three years, uh, but the heated competition is tr- related update from uh, is from an anonymous source who hinted that the IPO would come as soon as 2018. The valuation is more than eight billion U.S. dollars.
0: Yeah, so we'll have to see um, see how well uh, their IPO does. But certainly, when you look at ITE and uh, according to some third. Party research, they are uh, the market leader in terms of uh, user penetration. Um, not necessarily in, t- in terms of um, you know time in the app or a number of opens, but uh, user penetration is quite high for them. Um, and they they, they they have they have had some really interesting um, IPs. Uh, in in particular, yeah. uh, last year there was the big uh, uh, what was it called uh, China. What's it called? It's uh, the rap. The rap. Rap channel. So rap, so rap. so so. Last year there was this really popular um, IP called the Rap of China, which was you know mm-hmm. a reality reality TV show about you know a um, you know rap competition uh, in China. Yeah. And rap itself has become quite um, quite popular. And so I think that the they've shown that they're able to create some very um, sticky content. And you know yeah. it, I think that any IPO that they do should should be able to reflect that.
2: Yeah. In addition to the self-generated content, they are also reaching partnerships with uh, overseas platforms like uh, Netflix. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Exactly. Exactly. Um, so where? Yeah. I mean, like, you know, both uh, you know, QQ, QQ Video, owned by Tencent, and ITE, they've done, they've spent a lot of money on um, signing licensing deals and and things like that. Um, and so it's really kind of interesting to see how, um, as compared to you know Western players, you know, YouTube, which is almost all user generated. Mm -hmm. Um, Now they're, they're, they're doing some of their own content. Um, and then Netflix, which is, you know, uh, all all third-party content through through licensing deals and things like that. Whereas in, in China, there is this kind of interesting mix of uh, user-generated content, uh, self-generated content. So, you know, they they have their own studios and then uh, l- content through through uh, licensing. Um, but uh, but last but not least, of course, is uh, LuFax. And so I guess the big question for LuFax is with all the scrutiny uh, from the Chinese government around micro-lending and uh, peer-to-peer lending, um, you know, are they still going to do an IPO this year?
2: Yeah, it's uh, highly anticipated and uh, uh, is, uh, is uh, expected to be listed in Hong Kong. Uh, this, Lufax uh, is one of the China's largest peer to peer lenders and the online wealth management uh, company, and uh, uh it's since, since the listing since the IPO waves of uh micro lending and peer-to-peer lenders in the U.S. market last year, uh, it could be a convenient uh timing for this to for Lufax to. Uh, make his own IPO
0: this year. Yeah, and we'll, we'll definitely have to see. Um, well, Emma, thank you so much for telling us about uh, anticipated IPOs in 2018. Yeah,
2: thank you.
0: And that's about all the time we have for this episode of NodeWorthy. As always, if you enjoyed this episode, we'd really appreciate it if you gave us a review on iTunes, or if you're on Pocket Casts or Overcast, you can uh, tap on that star button, and it will recommend this episode to your viewers.